the kids four years old through fourth grade, you're dismissed to um, head down to uh, kids' church at this time. And uh, this morning, uh, starting a new sermon series that is entitled, He Will Be Called. He Will Be Called. And uh, to better understand uh, the, uh, the message and the theme and this He Will Be Called idea, uh, we do well to uh, look back at where we were at the beginning of November. And uh, maybe you recall that we did a series on the book of Jonah uh, for a couple of weeks there on, uh, uh, in the beginning of, of November. And uh, maybe you recall that Jonah... Jonah was a prophet of God. I got a picture of a map here, and maybe you recall that uh, in order to uh, get to that map, we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God sets everything up in the very first verse of the Bible. He creates everything, and uh, we know that he creates Adam and Eve, and that he wants to have a, a dynamic relationship with mankind. That's you and me. Uh, and the Bible tells us that God would show up and he would go for walks in the Garden of Eden uh, with Adam and Eve. And that's the kind of relationship that he would like to have with us, where he has an interpersonal relationship with us. But we know how that relationship ended. Uh, Eve eats of the forbidden fruit, hands it to Adam. He eats of the forbidden fruit. And all of a sudden, that relationship that God would like to have with mankind is broken. And it's uh, uh, there is decay and there's rot in there and there's sin that's in that uh, relationship. But God being a God of second chances, uh, he reaches back uh, to Abraham uh, many, many years later. He says, Abraham, uh, I'm going to start a new nation of people through you. They become the nation of Israel. And he says, you're going to have uh, many descendants, and I'm going to have a, uh, the kind of relationship that I had always hoped for with, with Adam and Eve in the garden. We're going to try again. We're going to start a covenant relationship with you. And so the relationship begins with his descendants. And the nation of Israel begins to grow. Maybe you remember that uh, they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. God sends Moses to, to lead them out to the promised land, and they land in the promised land, and they're there, and they're a united people. And uh, under... Uh, King Saul and King David and King Solomon, one big happy family. But then Solomon has some sons that go to a battle with one another about who's going to take over uh, the nation of Israel. And it ends up being a divided kingdom, the northern uh, portion of Israel and the southern portion of Judah. And that's the map here. And then you can see there under the big red line, the, the Assyrians were up there. The Assyrians were up there. And the Assyrians were always trying to come down and battle against uh, the nation of Israel. And uh, they were always going after them. And that's where we introduced uh, Jonah. That's where we introduced Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God. And God says to Jonah, I want you to go and preach against your enemy, the Assyrians, that are always battling against you. I want you to go into Nineveh, and I want you to tell them about me. And maybe you recall that the people repented, and they turned to the Lord, and that Jonah was a prophet of God from the northern kingdom of Israel. Well, uh, what's interesting about that is that 70 years later, 70 years after Jonah went up and, and the people of Nineveh turned around, uh, well, the, the people of uh, the Assyrians, uh, they turned around again, and they ultimately came back and attacked the northern kingdom of Judah, and they wiped it out, obliterated it. It ceased to exist anymore after the year 722 uh, B.C., okay? And uh, wait a minute, no, 586, 586. No, wait, which one's first? 
because you're going backwards. Yeah, 722, 722. And, um, and so they wiped them out in 722 uh, B.C. And so now all of a sudden here is the northern kingdom of, uh, of, um, uh, of Israel and it is wiped out. And now there is only the southern kingdom of Judah left. These are God's chosen people. And uh, uh, remember, God sent uh, Jonah into uh, the, the people of the Israelites. But now there's a new prophet in town. And uh, this prophet uh, was living and writing some 700 years before Jesus shows up. And this prophet's name is Isaiah. And maybe you've read the book of Isaiah, and you know that Isaiah is a guy uh, that is going to be uh, communicating to uh, the people of Judah. And, and when God communicates to Isaiah... He doesn't say what he said to Jonah. He doesn't say there's some people up there that you don't like and I want you to go and tell them about me so that they'll repent and turn to me and all this kind of stuff. Um, God had been watching the nation of Judah and the nation of Judah, unfortunately, they were a lot like us <laughs> um, because what the nation of Judah started to do was they had turned their back on God and were moving away from God. Uh, there was uh, uh, lots of idolatry, and what that means is that they no longer looked at God as he's our only source of good and kind and right, uh, but they started to think, you know, well, there's material uh, possessions over here that I'd like to have, and there's other false gods, and if I worship these false gods, well, they're not nearly as restrictive as that God, so let's do what he wants us to do, because he lets us party a whole lot more than that God does, and and so they, they started to move in all these different directions away from God, away from God, away from God, and And so God sends Isaiah to the people of Judah, and he says, I have a message that I want you to give to them. I want you to let them know I'm done. They are going to be destroyed. They have turned their back on me. They want nothing to do with me. I am going to wipe them out, period. Consequence. Um, Yet there will be a remnant that's going to stick around. There's going to be a few of you that I'm going to hang on to because your bloodline is eventually going to be the bloodline from which I am going to send all of my descendants that are still around and then to all of mankind that is on planet Earth after Jesus there, I'm going to send someone to be the savior of everyone. And so Isaiah, Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus showed up. Now picture, and so you go backwards 700 years from now, that's the year 1322, right? And uh, some of you I'm looking out there, some of you were around maybe, but, um, but 700 years ago, 700 years ago. Now think if, if there was a prophet that was writing in 1322 and he was talking about events that would take place today, I mean, it would be pretty miraculous if what they wrote came true, right? It would, that happens. God says to Isaiah, these are the things that I want you to write to my people. And, and in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, uh, verse 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And he's talking to the people. He says, you guys are all going to get wiped out. But I'm going to still work what I told Abraham and I told David that one of their descendants would become the Savior. And he says, and this is what that's going to look like when that takes place. Therefore, uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel means God with us. And so Isaiah was communicating to the people then and to us now 
that it's ultimately, who's going to be your savior? God is sending himself to be the savior, right? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm the only one that can save you, but I'm sending my son to be your savior. And then in chapter 9, Isaiah tells us the value of this Savior that is going to be there. It's a very high value. It has a a great value to us, and we're going to be able to capitalize on that and use that because in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and uh, I'm not much of an opera singer, but maybe if you can, in your mind, you can hear uh, some great choir singing this because maybe you've heard it before. But here's what Isaiah says, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. This was written 700 years before Jesus. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And boy, weren't they. And he shall be called. And that's the title of the sermon series. And what will he be called? Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. This morning, I want to talk about Jesus as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Those are in the next few weeks. This morning, I want to talk to you about Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you will help us to learn to internalize who you are, to cling to you, to rely on you, to trust you, to believe you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had someone work on your house or your car? And um, when you have someone work on your house or your car, isn't it true that uh, you would like that person to have uh, some experience um, uh, working on that thing? And you, you, want, you want to know that they know about the thing that you, they're working on, right? And isn't it true? Um, just this week, I, uh, I called up uh, Young's Heating and Cooling down here in Port Byron, and I said, uh, uh, I'd like to send somebody out to my house. I want to just, you know, have somebody look at my furnace. I've never looked at my furnace, and I want to make sure things going to work all winter long because I don't like being cold. And so they sent somebody out, and I'm just trusting that this guy, and he came on, um, on Thursday, and he came, and, and he went through it, and he blew stuff out with the air compressor, and he was uh, probing some things and testing some things. And, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm hoping he knows what he's, I'm really, really, really hoping that he knows what he's doing because when he was all said and done, he said, yep, looks good. I'm like, yay, good. That's what I want, right? Um, a few uh, months back uh, in the summer, my wife's car, my wife drives an Infinity. My wife drives an Infinity. And uh, y'all know that GMC trucks and uh, Chevy trucks, you know they're the same truck, right? You know that? You know, it's just kind of different, different labeling, different branding on there. You know it, right? You know that? And so my wife drives this Infinity. And do you know that Infinity and Nissan, same, same thing and, and infinity is just the Nissan right and uh, and so my wife's car was having some problems and um, we called up the Nissan dealer here and um, what's interesting is that the Nissan dealer said nah you know we we just haven't really worked on those and haven't you know we're we don't have the same diagnostic tools and you know we and and so they said you'd best take that to the infinity dealer well because we have a grandson uh, in uh, Des Moines, and uh, because uh, there's also an Infinity dealer there, there's not one in the Quad Cities, uh, we took it to Des Moines to get worked on. 
And uh, when uh, we took it there and they looked at it, they said, oh yeah, we've seen this problem, uh, you know, unfortunately many times. In fact, they extended the warranty on that, but you're out of the warranty. But yes, we are very familiar with the situation and we'll be glad uh, to work on that. So uh, I went to, you know, I took out a third mortgage on the house in order to, no, but anyway, um, uh, I did it. Um, and so, uh, so we wanted to go there and it was comforting, it was comforting to hear them say, we are familiar with this, we understand this, and we should be able to take care of this for you. And they did, and it seems to be working uh, just fine. But uh, isn't it true that if you're going to have somebody, if you got an issue, you got a something-something that's going on, uh, you want to know that the person that's going to be working on the something-something knows a little bit about the something-something, right? And, uh, and the same thing is true, the same thing is true is uh, if you're seeking counsel, if you're having a financial difficulty, you don't want to go find the most broke person you know and say, well, how do you get out of the financial situation, right? If it's a business situation, you want to talk to somebody uh, that not only knows business, but particularly they know your business and, and how uh, the distributing or the thing or the uh, whatever, the, uh, the finances that are behind all of those pieces. You want to know that you're talking to somebody that knows about what you're experiencing. If you've been through a hardship, Isn't it more comforting to speak with somebody that has been through that hardship? Because they really can relate. And they really do know. They know better than the one who hasn't had that experience. There's good news in Scripture. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right now, maybe we are in a time of need. Some of you would say that. Right now is my time of need. I hurt. I have pain. I have suffered. I'm in a time of need. One of the names given to our Savior is Wonderful Counselor who has experienced what we are experiencing and knows us better than we know ourselves and counsels us. Some of you would say, Now is my time of need. And Jesus put it this way when he was asked, You know, Jesus hung out with. Some really disgusting people. Um, Jesus was called a friend of sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, and 
um, the people that would, you know, deal dirty under the table and, and they probably drank too much and partied too hard. And, and, and people kind of looked at Jesus and said, but that's not who we expect of our, our teacher, our rabbi, our, our pastor. We expect somebody that's going to be, you know, higher above and his nose is going to be pointed to the sky a little bit more. And he's not somebody that's going to deal with the low lives. We expect more out of him. And they said to him, why do you hang out with those people? And Luke records, chapter 5, that Jesus answered them and he said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came for the sick. It means he came for me came for you. He's a wonderful counselor. He understands the sick. And here's the reality of the matter. You might not like hearing it. Here's the truth. We are all sick. We're sick. We're broken. We're hurting. The Bible tells us that he can understand and relate. He understands and he can relate when we're wrestling with depression, when we are fearful, when we have encountered loss. He understands and can relate and will counsel, whether it's financial difficulties or addiction, drugs or alcohol or porn. He understands when we're wrestling during the time of the holidays when you would like your family to get together, but they don't want to get together, and there's too much tension when they do get together. And they understand if you're going through the holidays, maybe even for the first time, without that loved one that you would like to have with you for the holidays. And Jesus understands, and he can counsel And he understands and he can relate and he understands because he's been there and he understands pain because he's suffered it. He is the wonderful counselor. 700 years before he arrived, Isaiah was announcing to a bunch of broken people that had turned their back on God, one day God will send a Savior And he will be, and you will need, a wonderful counselor. And don't we? So how do we connect to and learn from and receive from the wonderful counselor? Write this down in your bulletin. Three steps to help us be counseled. We need to be counseled. We need to hear from the wonderful counselor. Number one, write this down. Go to the counselor. And when you get there, be brutally honest. Go to the counselor. Here's, here's the way it works. <clears throat> let's say, you're, let's say you, there's a trusted mechanic 
And uh, you want to take your car to the trusted mechanic because you know the mechanic knows all these things that are wrong, right? He can understand all these things. And you go and you say, well, it's interesting. My car, uh, when I step on the brake, it kind of goes to the floor and it squeaks a lot when it goes to the floor. And it really doesn't slow down very quickly. It kind of takes a long time for it to slow down. And you go and you tell the, uh, the, uh, the mechanic all of these things. And the mechanic, he says, all right, let me take a look at it. And he goes, you know, and he's checking the brake pads and he's looking at the rotors, you know, and, and he's checking the brake fluid and looking at all of these things. And, and he comes back to you and he says, well, I want you to understand uh, the, uh, uh, the, the pads are, are completely uh, gone and the, uh, the rotors are completely shot. And, uh, and, and you say, uh, well, uh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because those are all of the things that I told you, right? And then you say, well, I'm going to go get a second opinion, right? And, uh, and you go to the next mechanic and you just say, don't know. Just uh, keep looking till you find something. And he puts the thing up on the rack and he's looking all around. All of a sudden, you know, he, he, he starts, he doesn't even know if it's going to run. He, and, and he digs around here and he digs around there. And finally, you know, after he's been looking at it for an hour, he, he sees that, well, okay, there is an issue here with the brakes. I don't know if that's what they wanted me to fix or not, but, you know, and you get there and you, you go to get the second opinion guy and he, and he says uh, to you, well, the brakes are bad and, uh, but, uh, I can fix those. That's not a thing, but, uh, you know, where we're at right now is uh, you owe me uh, $300 for the two hours that I surveyed your car, and, and that was the diagnostic fee. Say, diagnostic fee? You know, why are you charging me a diagnostic fee? They say, well, I charged $300 because I had to spend all this time. It would have been a lot easier if you would have just said to me, hey, your brakes are bad. Go to the counselor. Go to the one that can fix the problem, and then be brutally honest. Here's the problem. Brakes don't work. I can hear all kinds of stuff, and I need you to take care of that because I don't know how to do that. Be honest when you go to the counselor. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. I am wrestling. I'm depressed. Uh, I, we got a financial mess and I need uh, some help. And, uh, and I'm, I'm lonely. I'm scared. I'm uh, whatever the case may be. I'm addicted. I need help. I need your help, God. And be brutally honest with the counselor. Go to him and speak to him. This is what the Bible says. Book of Psalm, chapter 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord. And he will sustain you. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other. Here's a whole other kind of help. We let other people know that we are hurting. We don't stay home all by ourselves and not reach out. But we give somebody a call and we say, I'm struggling with this and could I just talk to you about it? And I just want to hear, do you have anything? Maybe you can send my way of encouragement. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know what? Prayer is talking to God. So how do you connect to the counselor? You talk to him. You talk to him. And you're brutally honest with him. And you know what? God, God doesn't care what your, what your language is, your vocabulary that you're using. There's not a King James way to speak to him. There's not a right way or a wrong way. You're just honest. And if you're hurting and you're mad and you're angry, you can say all of those hurting, mad, angry things to God. He's not offended by that. He understands that he's been there. Romans chapter 14 says this. 
As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Well, here's what that means. Sometimes we're too embarrassed to talk to God about the sin that we're wrestling with. And uh, we don't want to go to him until we can kind of get that a little bit cleaned up. And once we get that a little bit cleaned up, then we'll kind of tiptoe up to him and say, well, you know, you know, I've been doing better with that, right, God? And, and then you kind of can, you know, kind of take a real easy approach to, you know, you know how sorry I am. And I'm going to try. We are all going to give an account of our life right in front of Jesus. Here's the truth. He already knows it. So don't back away from it. Don't tiptoe around it. Don't try to hide it. Just be very, very real and open and honest and say, God, I'm hurting or I'm sad or I'm happy or I'm lonely. Whatever is going on with you that you need counsel, you just blurt it all out full blast to God and he can handle it. But you got to go to him. You got to take it to him. And then do this. Step number two, listen to the counselor. Listen to the counselor. Um, remember the story of the transfiguration? Here's uh, Moses and Elijah, and they're, they're already kind of waiting up on this hillside, apparently. And, and then Jesus goes and gets Peter, James, and John. He says, I want you guys to go with me. We're going to go up on this hillside. And this big cloud comes down. And then all of a sudden, Peter, James, and John can see that Elijah's there and, and that Moses is there. And they're just kind of like, Wow, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, something takes place. They hear this voice. In Mark chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. Now, here is God. Elijah and Jesus and Moses, they already know this. They already know this part. They know it. They've been around it. They've experienced it all. And so all of a sudden, God is not speaking to Jesus, to Elijah, or to Moses, but here's Peter, James, and John been following Jesus around for the last few years, going, man, this guy's wow, he's wow. All of a sudden, God is going to send a message to these guys, personal message right to these guys. And what he says, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's good advice for all of us. If we want to be counseled by the wonderful counselor, we need to not just tell him, but then we need to be in a place where we would listen to him. Same thing, driving your car around, the brakes are squeaking, and the mechanic says, yeah, we should probably fix those brakes because it's not going to end well for you. And you say, eh, you know, I'm going to see how fast I can go and how long it takes me to stop. You know, you just kind of play with that for a little while. It's not going to go well for you. So we do well to listen to the counselor. Here's the question. How does the counselor, how does God talk to us? How does he talk to us? You ever wonder that? You ever wonder, okay, God, uh, ready? You know, turning up the hearing aid, whatever it takes. Talk to me, God. How, how, does he, how does God communicate to us? How does he do that? Here's how. God communicates to us through ways that are not really that profound, ultimately, he communicates us through the Bible. Uh, he communicates to us through uh, godly friends. And got a whole list of them here. And um, he communicates to us through sermons. Um, 
And sometimes, if you're not sleeping, maybe you pick up on something. But, uh, uh, but he does that. When we, when we read our Bibles, we just listen. He'll communicate to us. Godly friends, if you're going through something difficult, says confess your, uh, your hardships to people, and you listen to them and get counsel from them. Through sermons, you hear things. And, and I can see some of you, your wheels are turning, and I hope you're not just thinking about lunch, but you're, uh, you're relating to what the Bible is teaching us. And songs of praise, you get those songs that get stuck in your mind, and you can't get them out of your mind, and they just communicate to us. And, and through books, and you can, go and you can go online to christianbooks.com, and you can find books about Christian living and, and whatever you might be going through. There's been an author that's been through it and he's written a book about it through prayer. And then sometimes uh, what it requires is just silence, silence, silence. And just being somewhere alone long enough. I don't, I, I've told you before, I'm not good at that. As soon as, as soon as I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I make myself a bowl of cereal. But before I even start the bowl of cereal, I'm hitting power up on my, on my laptop. Boom. Cause I got to get that baby up and rolling, you know? And uh, then when I'm over there pouring in the thing and pouring in the thing and getting ready to do it, I got that thing wide open there because I'm going to YouTube and I'm going to, um, you know, and when I'm at my best behavior, uh, then I'm, I'm going to something biblical. I like to listen to uh, books of the Bible on that. You've heard me say that before. Or, uh, or I might uh, try to find some sermon uh, thing or somebody that's going to give me a little bit of insight, the Bible project, uh, some, some of those kind of things. Um, and then, you know, uh, sometimes I do that. But other times, you know, I'm just looking for best car crashes. You ever do any of that stuff? You know, and it just shows, shows cars smashing. And, it, and um, But here's the thing. And then, and then what do I do? Okay, so I do breakfast. I get up. I get, and as soon as I get in my car, the radio is already on. Talk radio, something, somebody's, you know what I mean, and listening to sports radio or something. And being silent is hard. I'm uncomfortable when I'm silent. It's just weird. But one of the things the Bible tells us to do. Be still. Know that I am God. So, go to the counselor. Let him know what's going on. Listen for the counselor. And finally, do. Do what the counselor tells you to do. Sometimes what he tells us to do is weird. Um, do you remember, you all remember, what was Jesus' first miracle that he performed? You tell me. Water into wine, water into wine, right? And uh, remember how that goes down? Uh, Jesus at a wedding, and uh, a bunch of his friends are there, his mom, dad are there, and family's there, and big celebration that's going on, and um, a really bad thing happens. They run out of wine, and uh, it's embarrassing for the host. And and uh, uh, and so uh, Mary is there, and she knows this is Jesus, but Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet. Uh, but uh, Mary goes over and grabs Jesus, and pulls him in, and says, ah! and you know, gives him the, the "I'm I'm your mama" speech, right? And and uh, says this, Book of John, chapter two, verse five. His mother said to the servants, right? Brings Jesus in, brings all the servants into this back room there. She looks at all of them and says, she's pointing to Jesus. She's looking at all of the servants and going, 
do whatever he tells you, right? And so, you know, who knows who was there in the room? Who knows who the servants were? Maybe, maybe the servants that were working and catering this, uh, this big wedding reception, maybe they were the same uh, servants that worked in the vineyards, and, and maybe they were the ones that knew how to make the wine. Maybe they were the ones that made all the wine that, uh, that they ran out of earlier. And, and so um, it says, Jesus, hey, listen to Jesus, he's going to tell you how to make some more wine here. You know, they don't know, they don't know what he's going to say, but um, they know that the, the, what the problem is. And so then Jesus says, all right, we're going to make some wine. And uh, so I need you to get some big jars and uh, bring them in here. And they were huge jars. I mean, gallons and gallons of water. And, uh, and uh, now we're going to put some water in these things here. And, uh, you know, and, and he prays over to whatever. And then he probably says, you know, taste that. And that's not how you make wine. You know, we need grapes. We got to go get grapes first, right? We got we to smash up the grapes. You don't just put the water in there. Jesus, you know, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. That's not how you do that. And he was telling them things that maybe didn't make sense to them. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make the whole situation better. But the only way it's going to get better is when you begin to do the things that I tell you to do that don't make any sense. And then Jesus says things like, you got to forgive them. Yeah, I know. Saw the whole thing go down. But you got to forgive them. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know if that's uh, what I'm going to be able to do. Yep, you're going to have to turn the other cheek. That doesn't make sense. Forgive. Turn the other cheek. Yep. And give your money away while you're at it. Don't hold on to all of that. Be generous. Give your money away. Yeah, but I have bills and wants and just give it away. Forgive. Love those people that you don't want to love. Oh yeah, but you don't understand the way they voted. <laughs> love those people. Be kind. That doesn't make any sense. We have to do what the wonderful counselor tells us to do. Then find someone to help you do it. That's biblical. That's scriptural. If you feel like, oh man, this is too hard of a path for me, probably is, go to the counselor and the counselor say, you get some buddies, you get some pals, you get some girlfriends come alongside you and do life together as a church. And when we do that, We're all better prepared to do life and handle the things that come at us in which we know I need a wonderful counselor. The best advice that the wonderful counselor gives us is that if we don't know him, to learn about him. If we don't know him as our Lord and our Savior, that we would get to know him as our Lord and Savior. Jesus tells us the best thing we can do is be baptized into him and accept him as our King, our God, and our Lord and our Savior. I don't know if you've ever done that. Have you ever made Jesus your King, your God, your Lord, your Savior? Have you ever been baptized into him? Have you ever publicly stated 
Uh, I've tried my whole life to do it right. I can't do it right. I need somebody to bail me out. I need somebody to help me. I, I need somebody to forgive me of all of my mistakes. That's Jesus. And he asks us to turn our life over to him. If you've never done that, I'd like to have that conversation with you. If you have done that, share the good news of the wonderful counselor. Let's pray. We come to you. Father, we've got no other place to go. You are God. We are not. Help us. Guide us. Thank you for your love. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will 